You're listening to the fourth season of the Prophetic Imagination Station, Frank Peretti's America. I'm D.L. Mayfield, a writer and neighbor. And I'm Crispin Mayfield, a therapist. Together, we like to overthink evangelical artifacts from the 80s and 90s. This season, we're doing a deep dive into Frank Peretti's best-selling novel, This Present Darkness. Thanks for listening. So, last episode of Frank Pretty's America, last interview. We're going to do a wrap-up next time. Uh-huh. But this is our last interview with Connie Baker. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's great. Christmas. I wasn't ready. I told you it was good. I wasn't ready for how incredible this was. Yeah, it was really great. So, this is the only interview that you did on your own. Mm-hmm. You right. knocked it out of the park, bud. You did well, great. Well, thanks. I was worried. You did great. I'm not much of a thinker on my feeter. Well, you did great, but I got I got to say Connie Baker was incredible. I know. I mean that basically was the thing was like I'm pretty sure people who listen to our podcast and come from a similar sensibility of us there everybody's going to just fall in love with Connie. Mhm. Uh, she's a therapist. She's really experienced a lot and is able to delve into the topic particularly around abuse in churches. So let's just Throw that, throw that out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be talk of abuse in this interview. Right, yeah. Yeah, Connie talks about her own story. I talk a little bit about my story, which we'll talk about in our wrap-up episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just so validating to hear Connie say, like, here's the way abusive systems work. Yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't in church context, but it was my family... And there are all these spiritual dynamics when you come from a Christian family. So, like, just so much of this felt really familiar to me. And I think she just did a really great job of, like, framing, like, why why do we have this response to hearing stories of abuse? Yeah, and, and you guys didn't talk about this present darkness that much, mm-hmm. which is fine, because maybe all along this has really been a podcast about power. Uh-huh. <laughs> and not exactly this present darkness alone. But yeah, I think it's really important for us to say even our fiction stories, you know, really did focus on power. Yeah, one thing that uh, from the beginning I've really thought about, like we've been talking about power and the politics, um, but this part obviously has been a huge part of the book. I thought Connie did a great job of tying those together, like the same dynamics that come up in abusive churches um, or abusive families, right, also play out on a national level. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is, are we willing to listen to, well, don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But it it all matters (laughs) and it truly is tied together. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a story of like a very niche best-selling Christian horror apocalyptic uh, Pentecostal fiction novel That's a lot. Um, Why it matters today, because it reveals a mindset, right? And it just Mm -hmm. makes plain some of these narratives that are are so troubling. And, I mean, you guys talk a lot about some really current situations we've had um, just with evangelical men being terrible and what she calls the good old boys club, you know, rushing Mm -hmm. to put them back into power. And so this remains incredibly relevant and I wish it wasn't. I wish we weren't doing this podcast. Right. But we're doing it because of Bill freaking Hybels. I mean, there's so many more. I'm just going to say one Mm -hmm. because we could be here all day, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, so thinking about power and thinking about the narrative, especially in this book where it's like, the people that don't have much power are trying to take down the people that have a lot of power. And I was thinking about power dynamics and wondering for you, um, when you read scripture, when did you start paying attention to power dynamics in those stories? And what was that like for you as you started to like focus on that part? Yeah, I don't know when, when that happened, but it's a pretty important jump to take right if you want to read the scriptures in a way where you're able to apply it to your actual life is you will have to at some point just uh, i mean connie kind of talks about this you need to actually look at your real life relationships through this lens of power and understanding there's Mm -hmm. always a power differential happening um i think one thing that's hard is if you are like me you come from the dominant culture perspective you have a really hard time 
um, sometimes admitting to your own power. And I think white ladies are the worst at this, right? So like, because I'm a white lady, I can be like, oh my gosh, I'm a lady and I get, you know, misogynized or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. Um, but I'm unwilling to recognize like my power in other areas. And I don't think it's like a flat line, right? It mm-hmm. changes all the time. And we need mm-hmm. to take that approach to scripture too. Okay. What, what about you? Um, yeah, I think uh, it was in Minneapolis, I think that I started to like when we lived in Minneapolis and I was learning a lot about my own privilege and power and systems and dynamics and being encouraged by our community at that time to start looking at power dynamics in scripture. Bob Eckblad talks a lot about that, uh, which has been really encouraging and looking at, yeah, like who in the narrative has power, who doesn't. Yeah. So reading the Bible with the damned is a great book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just begin to look at that. But, you know, reading scriptures or commentaries or theologians who have come from non-dominant culture backgrounds is obviously a great place to start because oftentimes they will bring up the power dynamics right Mm -hmm. away. And that's how we learn because dominant culture theologians don't tend to do that in my experience. Um, I do want to say really quickly, we're probably going to edit this out, but we are recording this during nap time, and we have had a small, naked four-year-old interrupt us twice, right? Yes. In the past eight minutes of trying to record this intro. Right. I told Danielle, like, <laughs> it's just ten minutes. We just got to do a quick ten-minute intro. It will be fine. How does it that was, even happen? It was not I fine. don't want to ask why he needs new pants. <laughs> right? right? I'm worried. We need I, to go check that I out. I think I know why. <laughs> so... One last thing, speaking of kids, we watched Touched by an Angel with our kids last weekend. Uh They were only a little bit scared, um, and they could not figure out why the angels didn't look like angels. And then later we're like, why is there a light shining on their head? They need to turn off that light. Yep. Yeah, but our um, daughter really liked it. We were going to like watch it and tweet along, but not very many people tweeted along. That's okay. mm -hmm. Uh, But I think we're going to pivot now and just keep thinking about these shows and and maybe doing some other projects with them in the future so we're not going to do a live tweet-a-thon anymore uh because it was a huge flop it was a huge flop it was a failure (laughs) although we enjoyed ourselves immensely and now our daughter wants to watch more touch by the angel which i don't know how to feel about that right yeah yeah it's not the worst although it's kind of boring yeah quite boring yeah that's probably why she likes it Mm mm-hmm yeah, so I wanted to give you an update on that, but we would just love to continue to hear from you guys about this series. Um, you can email email us at propheticimaginationstation at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at K underscore underscore Mayfield on Twitter um, and also at propheticimagine without an E. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danielle's on there. As Dio Mayfield. Yeah, if you get some questions to us real quick, we can probably... Um, you know, talk about them as we do a wrap up episode for Frank Paredes America. It's been amazing having these conversations, seeing this go farther um, than we imagined. And we hope you enjoy this interview with Connie Baker. Tonight we have Connie Baker with us, actually um, in our house, which is nice rather than over yes. the internet. Like we've interviewed everyone else, uh, because we go to church with Connie. Oh, yes, good to be here. Um, but yeah, we're really glad she is also a therapist um, and specializes in religious trauma and abuse. Uh, published a book last summer called "Traumatized by Religious Abuse," um, and then you have some stuff on Facebook, so, like communities on Facebook. I do. I have I have a few uh, options to connect there. Um, I have a group, a free group that mm-hmm. actually just hit 500 people the mm-hmm. last couple weeks. So that was pretty exciting. It's yeah. called Overcoming Religious Abuse Community, and it's on Facebook. And then I also just started a subscription group in the last month that is just going great. And for people who want to process their story. So That's so great. Yeah, yeah. Religious trauma and uh-huh. that sort of thing. And, and then I also have a Facebook page that, you know, mm-hmm. people can check out and my website mm-hmm. conniebaker.com so uh-huh. yeah got, got a few right. few things floating around uh-huh yeah i always appreciate seeing stuff that you post on facebook oh and, thank yeah. you yeah so in some previous interviews we've talked a bit with people touched on this theme within this present darkness um particularly about how demons possess women and then cause them to accuse 
falsely accuse men of sexual abuse or rape. Obviously, it's a really, I mean, this is a heavy topic and just so problematic. And I think the first question actually that I have is, why do you think no one blinked an eye when this book was everywhere? Because oh. you even told me that you you read it. And you oh, I did. Right? Oh, gosh, yes. In my young adult years, I think I read it two or three times. Mm-hmm. Shit, that just aged me. Anyway, um, but um, yeah, yes, I read it several times. I felt inspired by it, and Mm -hmm. I totally didn't even think twice about that at Mm -hmm. all. I was, yeah, didn't even think about it. Right, yeah. Yeah, what was it about the, when remembering reading the book, what was it like for you? Well, you know, what's interesting is I'm I'm trying to remember what phase of life I read it at. Do you remember when it came out? Yes, the year I was born. Okay, what was it? 1986. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. 1986. <laughs> so yeah, I read it. Interestingly, okay. So a little bit of my story will actually tie into yeah, this. Great. Because when I I I probably did blink an eye because in high school. I had been uh, forcibly kissed by a pastor like four or five times when I was 16. So I was then, that this was a few years after that um, when it came out. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I probably did, I was aware that there were times in which pastors actually did and that the same pastor had been, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's such a story, had been previously dismissed from the pastorate for sexually abusing a foster daughter Mm. and then came back three years later and was still sexually abusing people Mm. like me. Uh And so, so I was aware this does happen. Mm -hmm. The pastors are not flawless, you Mm -hmm. know, right? but it is, you know, Crispin, it is a comfortable, it is, it is a much more comfortable place there's so many dynamics here uh-huh. for us to say that bad woman falsely accused a pastor. Mm-hmm. She was demonically influenced. And, and if there's an accusation to come to that conclusion, honestly, as a church, we breathe a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. It is much easier than to say the head of this community is uh has acted out in a damaging way mm. with one of the parishioners and the fabric begins to unravel in the community mm-hmm. because it's a threat to everyone if the pastor himself has not been ethical has mm-hmm. been immoral has been outside of lines this causes so much anxiety mm. we want our pastors to be upright Mm-hmm. And it gives integrity to the whole community if that's mm-hmm. the case. And all of us go, oh, it's kind of like, okay, dad's really is a good human. The mm-hmm. family can breathe a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. But if dad's not a good human, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, and there again, that's a little overstated. But if dad is act, quote, dad, you know, in quotes, uh-huh. <laughs> if the pastor is acting out in that way, it makes it, it's devastating. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it shakes us. Mm. And I think that narrative is, is much better for our anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that bad woman, she falsely accused our good man mm-hmm. is so much easier for us. Right. Um, oh, there's just so many angles to this. <laughs> and there's so many angles. Yeah. I think, yeah, anyway, it, I can go on some others. Yeah. 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 What, yeah. what else is coming to mind? Well, the other thing that comes to mind is, okay, I'm a therapist, so I'm probably going to bring a dark side of humanity Mm -hmm. into this mix, but it's what I see in my office every day. Mm -hmm. So, and I actually still really like people, which is, you know, kind of nice. Uh And I actually tend to really believe the best in people. But what I know, I'm going to, I'm going to put this down in gender, Um, put it in gender categories. If you've got this scenario, the women breathe a sigh of relief because 
I'm oh, I'm so grateful. Dad isn't going to hurt me. Mm. Okay, the pastor now is not a threat to me. I'm kind of mm. talking in family systems right, here, yeah. but you know, right. the wonderful. pastor now isn't going to hurt me because that was that bad woman who mm. falsely accused. Mm-hmm. Whew. Good. I can kind of retain my respect and appreciation for him and still feel close to him and safe with him. Mm -hmm. So it threatens, it would threaten the women on Mm. that end Mm -hmm. on, on the, the men have vested interest in it. Mm. (laughs) Okay. This is going to sound bad, but because we know percentage wise, evangelical men that, that, the percentage is very high with their usage of porn mm-hmm. and their sex, sexually acting out. Mm-hmm. So if that bad woman's accusing this good man, then it keeps things stable for them. Mm-hmm. They can say, all right, keep this thing under wraps. Right. Let's not have a big exposure of somebody mm-hmm. like this that make me, make me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. So does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Am I talking yes, language definitely. here? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. Uh, I've been in situations like that in my own life where I was talking to another Christian man and I said, Hey, this other person, like we need to address this. They've, they've sexually abused someone. And the person said, well, I have stuff that I know I don't want my wife to know. Yes. And so we need to keep that in mind. Yes. Right, and I'm like, right, yeah. Put this under wraps. Do Uh not let, yeah, shut it up quick Mm -hmm. because I have a stake in this game, Mm -hmm. and that's really probably the best way to put this. Is a church community has a big stake in the game Mm -hmm. about whether their pastor, for multiple reasons, if their pastor has been acting out, Mm -hmm. it's devastating at multiple levels, and Mm -hmm. everybody has has a stake in it. Right. Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. Um, have you ever heard a story about someone being accused of being demon possessed? You know, I don't think I've heard that one. I think it was probably the, um, (laughs) I'll I'll put some denominations out here or some categories. I was raised non-Pentecostal. Let's put it that Mm -hmm. way. You know, it was all, that was always, you know, looking, it was back in the olden days where, you know, looking askance like, Ooh. You know, Mm -hmm. well, then I married an assembly of God pastor, which I thought was (laughs) hilarious. But anyways, (laughs) um, but no, I wasn't raised around that. That language around Mm -hmm. demons was not par. It was not the norm. Uh And so, no, I haven't heard of that. Um, I mean, I've heard around about, but I've never Mm -hmm. been really directly involved with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. Because I think it does have some denominational strains mm -hmm. to it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that makes so much sense. I, um, and I've, uh, talked on this podcast before about being a survivor of sexual abuse. So reading this for me, I was reminded of, I actually confronted my abuser Wow! and he said, this just reminds me that Satan tries to bring down those that God is trying to use. Like just by me bringing this up, he's like, well, God is trying to use me. And so you're being used by Satan by bringing this into the light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. And Crispin, the, the second part of the story I didn't tell, which actually is a bigger part of my story, mm-hmm. is I was sexually abused at 25 by a pastor for nine months, mm-hmm. then blamed by the church leadership and uh, was required to give public confession and then dismissed from the church. So mm. trauma out the wazoo for me as this right. young adult Um and, and so, yes, now I read this book before that happened. Mm. So the timing of me uh-huh. reading this, cause my abuse took place in 1990. Yeah. Okay. Do the math. I'm 55. Uh-huh. Anyway. So this, this, uh, took right. place in 1990 and I read this between, you know, probably two or three times between 86 and 90. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know, I think I was so traumatized and stunned. I may have read it once after the abuse and still didn't really mm-hmm. give it a whole lot of thought. Uh-huh. I mean, now I would, I truly would read that and roll my eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and not, I mean, Crispin, let's just say this. It's not because pastors can't or, or, or men can't be falsely accused. That mm-hmm. can happen. Mm-hmm. And it does. I'm going to say percentage wise, it's super low mm-hmm. because the woman has so much to lose mm-hmm. by doing, by, by bringing any sexual assault up. She has so much to lose, but 
let's, I, I guess I just want to say that. Of course, could this happen where a, a, a man is falsely accused? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's statistically low, low, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it can happen. Right. And so I think that's where we hold ourselves open and say, well, oh, we don't want to believe it. We mm-hmm. don't want to think it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only sexual abuse, but it's spiritual abuse. Right. So how is spiritual abuse different than other types of abuse? Oh, it's a, oh you're asking me questions I love to uh-huh. answer, Crispin. Yeah. Well, I think let's let's put this in a category. I think there's categories of uh, spiritual or religious abuse. I use those terms interchangeably. Mm-hmm. So um, under spiritual or religious or religious abuse, I, there's about five major categories that I believe one of them is uh, psychological. Let's see if I can remember them all. <laughs> Psychological, social, being ostracized. Mm. Uh, sexual mm. is one of them. Mm-hmm. Financial. And I'm forgetting a fifth one. Psychological. Uh, oh, and then, and then plain, purely spiritual mm-hmm. in the sense of really twisting and hurt, damaging a person and controlling and manipulating their actual spiritual life. Mm. So those five ways. So to me, sexual abuse is only one piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And even though that's my story, I'm really focused. What happened to me, um, the sexual abuse by the pastor when I was 25, I, I've always said, probably caused 25% of the damage done to me. Mm. 75% was caused by the church leadership's reaction mm-hmm. to what I went through and the blaming, the publicity, the, the ostracizing, mm-hmm. um, was, was extremely devastating. Sexual mm-hmm. abuse was left its own marks and, you know, mm-hmm. I've had to recover from that, but really what I didn't have words for or didn't understand was how, Church, and here's my definition of religious abuse is kind of what we're getting to, is where one person or institution has more power than an individual and leverages that, leverages God Mm -hmm. or a religious idea to control another person, to manipulate, to silence, to weaken, to, um, you know, power play. Uh, to hurt mm-hmm. another person. So it's the idea of a power differential right. where somebody has more power and a pastor in that community has more power. That's mm-hmm. why I do not believe in pastors having affairs. I believe mm-hmm. it's sexual assault mm-hmm. uh, because of the power differential. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you've got a power differential, then you've got using and leveraging God to get that person to do what you want them to and either to control them, manipulate, silence, weaken, any of those, hurt mm-hmm. them. Um, so that's the essence of religious abuse. And if you think about it, that's that happens a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, what would be common examples of that outside of, you know, abuse or sexual abuse being one example? What are other ways that you see that are common ways? Right, common ways. Um, there are, I think about the messages, um, that we, we hear the, and by messages, I don't mean sermons, but the uh, spoken and unspoken ideas that we hear, Mm -hmm. um, things like, um, if you say there is a problem, you become the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's a big axiom in religious abuse. So, uh, see, you know, you talking to the pastor, Mm -hmm. you said there was a problem you became the evil person mm-hmm. that was that was being used by Satan. Mm-hmm. So if you say there's a problem, then you become the problem. In mm-hmm. your case, it was you're being used by Satan to bring me down. But it could be you're too sensitive. You're mm-hmm. a gossip. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, uh, you know, whatever it is. And, and using, using you're, you're not walking in the spirit, using spiritual mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. To, to, flip, to flip things and have that person become the problem. Um, Threats of punishment or ostracization Mm. uh, are also tools. In other words, this can be subtle. Mm. This, okay. Mm -hmm. This can be subtle. Um, We're, we're having a big uh, fun drive for our new building project. Mm -hmm. 
and okay, I'm going to go through the abusive language first and then mm-hmm. say more appropriate. Uh-huh. We're doing a fun drive. God is in this. Mm-hmm. God is blessing this. If you want God's blessing, you're going to get on board and give. Mm. Uh, okay, leave it right there. Uh-huh. I mean, sometimes it's taken further. Your finances are going to see problems if you don't. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of pastors will stop before they mm-hmm. say that. But mm-hmm. you hear the implication, God's mm-hmm. not going to bless unless I give my money. That's mm-hmm. financial exploitation, leveraging God. Uh-huh. Is it okay to give what you want to give to? Of course. Right. But it's a, but the appropriate you know, language is we believe the best of our ability that God's leading us this direction. We want you to, you know, it, it, make your own decision before God about what you want to do mm-hmm. to help this. We're trusting it's a good thing, but we're also trusting God to lead through you. Mm-hmm. That flattens the power differential mm-hmm. to say here, it's a, it's a humble stance an open handed stance of saying, we believe this is where we want to go, but we're also trusting our congregation mm-hmm. to support this if it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So feel the difference in that. Right. Yeah, totally. I was thinking, you know, the sexual abuse aside, um, the bigger narrative here in this book is if you are opposing the, the pastor, then yes. you're opposing God. Yes, that's a much bigger narrative. Yes, right. thank you. And especially bringing it back to Peretti's book. Right. Um, that's, a re- that's exactly right. Is mm-hmm. And that is one, in fact, I think one of the first messages in my book that I write about is do not question me. Mm-hmm. or us in mm-hmm. any way or you'll be punished somehow mm-hmm. by god or by us right. <laughs> as his yeah. instruments uh-huh. now is is are most pastors going to say those exact words likely no although i have heard some i mean mm-hmm. that's oh my gosh right um but they're not they're going to be much more subtle they're going to be uh-huh. much more finessed about right. that they're going to be they're going to say like you oh god's you know, God's trying to bring me, uh, Satan's trying to bring me down and Mm -hmm. you know, by you coming. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds really cloaked in this spiritual Mm -hmm. language. Um, but basically it is, don't you question? Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, you know, how, how often have we heard the horribly misused verse? Don't touch God's anointed. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, there it is. Right. Yeah. Don't, in other Uh words, do not question me. Mm -hmm. So now I have supreme authority and I'm the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And if you question me, you're questioning God Mm -hmm. and your spiritual walk isn't right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's at at the far end. It's not that far. That's cults. Right. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. nasty. So these are some of the, expressions and that's mm-hmm. there again i've got a bunch of them but right. those are probably the some of the overarching ideas some mm-hmm. of them about yeah. how, how this can look besides sexual abuse right yeah danielle and i were talking about bill hybels right and we were talking about um the women that were bringing these accusations and we were talking about how likely in a setting like that we don't we don't know uh, but you you probably don't need uh, to make any threats because the message all the time is this is God's church. This is God's ministry. Don't touch it. Right. And so even for those women, it might even be like, I'm going to choose to not say anything because I don't want to mess up what God is doing Because it's God's here. ministry. Right. Correct. I am struck. I don't know. Something. I, I know this to be true. It's part of my story. What I lost in that spiritual abuse was so vast. It took me about 10 years to recover. And partly because I didn't understand what I'd gone through. Mm -hmm. I I finally started understanding the sexual assault, but I did not understand spiritual abuse. So Mm -hmm. I just floundered. And what I, you know, when that broke with Hybels, it struck me again, how much those women had to lose. Mm -hmm. They had their jobs, their careers, Mm -hmm. their meaning, what they were pouring their life into. Mm. They had their uh, social circle, their best friends. They didn't know who would stand by them. I'll guarantee that because I've been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know who's going to stand by you right. because nobody wants to see Bill Hybels taken down. Mm-hmm. And so the reaction is, how could you do this? God's working and you're screwing it up. So then they have their own conscience about 
you know, oh my goodness, what if I'm wrecking God's God's work? Mm -hmm. They're losing their identity mm -hmm. as this upstanding church member. They're losing their reputation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is so vast. And I can say that with certainty. These are women who worked in this huge church and were high up in the organization. Mm -hmm. I'll guarantee that those things, I mean, I'd be shocked if, if one of those wasn't true of mm -hmm. those women. Right. It's almost like, how could it not be? Mm -hmm. And I, I just look at that and I think that is why our chosen narrative of oh, Satan's using that woman to bring a pastor down is, is can be so crazy making. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you, do you hear what you're saying? Do you, do you see what this woman is going to lose by talking? Oh, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. And so knowing that all these dynamics exist, right? What, what do you think churches should do? <laughs> <laughs> what should we do, Connie? <laughs> well, you know, a few things come to mind and it's probably on, on a, I, I tend to start on a pretty personal level. I'm a therapist, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I tend to start with the idea of what about observing our own reactions to mm. stories mm. in the church? What, what is our knee jerk response when we hear that a pastor that we know, maybe not ours, but one that we know mm -hmm. is, uh, what, what, what bubbles up for us? What is, do I feel anxious? Do I feel um, unsettled? What am I telling myself about this? Mm. And when I want to place blame on the person bringing it up, what is that mechanism? What am I, mm. what am I trying to protect? Mm. Um, because that's what that is. It's a self-protective uh -huh. uh, response, a, a reflex. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's so fast and instantaneous and we've made a judgment. We don't even realize how we got there. Mm -hmm. But I think when we, when we hear things happening or people being accused is to slow that mm -hmm. video camera down a little bit uh -huh. and say, what's happening in me right now? Uh -huh. Why, wh why does this cause me such anxiety to think that this might be true mm -hmm. because there's reasons it causes anxiety. I mean, I, I don't say that uncompassionately. I, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you and I go to the right. same church, Crispin. And uh -huh. if I found out that one of our pastors was involved, that stakes in the game for me. It's like, mm -hmm. ah, it's no, everything in me is no, no. Mm -hmm. Well, why is that? Mm. Why am I not thinking, whoa, who, who was, who's the survivor here? How are they? What's happened? Mm -hmm. I'm saying, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Because it's a personal threat to me. Mm. I don't want it to be true. It's, it's going to unsettle my world. It's going to upset my social circle. It's going to cause division in my social circle. Mm -hmm. You know, people taking sides. Right. You know, so so to allow that awareness, I think, to bubble up. Mm -hmm. To say, okay, what what's happening in me? Mm. And I think I love, I mean, it's probably no shock that I love the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. And the Church Too movement. Uh -huh. Um and I think this awareness is changing some things because it's starting to challenge that knee-jerk response. Mm -hmm. It's starting to challenge it and go, oh my gosh, look what I just did. Even if we don't, if, even if we want to be fair, most of us would say, I want to be fair about it. Mm -hmm. But it, it challenges that. And I think continuing to integrate, you know, you say, what should we do? Um, continuing to integrate an awareness of the full picture mm -hmm. of, of realizing our history of protecting power, because that's what this is. I mean, mm -hmm. we protect power because they're the leaders. They're the ones who are keeping, are keeping our community cohesive mm -hmm. and stable. Mm -hmm. And if the power falls, then you've got, It's a personal threat again, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's a personal threat. So we tend to preserve power. We'll go toward, you know, protect, protect the leader mm -hmm. of my community. Mm -hmm. And I think all these awarenesses, you know, it, it's got to be at grassroots. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I suppose some denominational 
heads. Maybe, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe could make some difference. Mm. I don't trust that at this point, clearly. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I don't trust what I'm seeing denominationally uh-huh. in just about any way. Yeah. Theoretically, I think they could make a difference. But I, that, to mm. me, if it's going to happen, that's further down line. Mm-hmm. I think this has to be grassroots of people standing up and saying, no, we're going to stand by this survivor in our church. Mm-hmm. We're going to... We're going to listen. We're going to hear. Right. We can still be discerning, but uh-huh. we're going to listen. And we're not going to knee jerk saying, why is she saying this? Mm-hmm. What's motivating her? Right. Which is what we tend to do. So running with, you're talking about power. Um, and on our podcast, we've actually, we talked a lot about power um, <laughs> and political power. And the thing that we've been asking in this is how does this present darkness, how did it influence not just church life, but evangelicals and how they approach uh, the political landscape? Oh, golly. Right? Yes. Oh, that's a whole other package. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And looking at, you know, this whole theme of like, here's a small conservative town that is being that's under a demonic attack. Right. But I wonder, thinking about that idea, this power dynamic of God is has chosen the leader, and if you oppose, uh, you're against God uh-huh. and you're for Satan. Right? Yeah. I wonder, like, yeah, reflecting on just like American evangelical uh, politics, how how do you see those the dynamics of this this abuse narrative or this power differential narrative? How do you see that playing out politically? How how many hate emails do you want to get, Crispin? <laughs> this response. <laughs> we just won't forward them on to you. That's right. I exactly. Forward this to Connie. My, I was a kid when I saw evangelicals starting to consolidate power politically. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. Uh, I graduated in 82 from high school. So I was watching this consolidation uh, in the pre-Reagan and the Reagan era Mm -hmm. with Jerry Falwell, Moral Majority. I mean, that was my era. Mm -hmm. And um, even before that... Uh, like Phyllis Shafley. I don't even know if you know that name, but that's a, you know, oh, anti-feminist. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, I've read and, a little bit. Yes. And so, I mean, all those names were ones I, my, my mom was reading the books, you know, mm-hmm. those books. And, and of course, uh, let's just say it, James Dobson mm-hmm. comes on the scene and all this consolidation of power in this voting block it 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 simultaneously breaks my heart and gets me so angry mm. because it it's ruined us it's it, it, it we've sold our soul for mm. political power and mm. i'm not going to get specific here in this day and age but we've sold our soul and i was saying mm. that before this last election cycle mm-hmm. um and it was just in living color Mm-hmm. This last time. Right. And because evangelicals felt they were stripped of power mm-hmm. for eight years before mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. the the boomerang violent <laughs> repercussions mm-hmm. were, I just look, stood back and couldn't believe it, you know. Yeah. But if you, if you're putting demons and angels and we need political power to fight the forces of evil, mm-hmm. we're in deep doo-doo. Because, mm-hmm. I, I, can, can we go back and read the Gospels? Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Right. I, I mean, that, to me, it's just so explicit. Mm-hmm. Power, Jesus didn't use what he had. Mm-hmm. Purposely. Mm-hmm. Very intentionally. And we're supposed to be modeling that. Mm-hmm. And he didn't join the zealots. He didn't. He, he, oh, okay. I'll just stop here. <laughs> yeah. So, so the hate mail slows down a little bit. <laughs> All our Mennonite fans will be, uh, yes. listeners will be really glad. Yes, yes. But I just, I look at that and it is, mm-hmm. it's, it is so heartbreaking to me because mm-hmm. I feel like we've, we've lost our soul mm-hmm. in this. We've lost our personal integrity. Definitely. Yeah. And then looking, I wonder that power narrative of like God has chosen the anointed. Yes. 
Right. Yes, that, that keeps going. Mm-hmm. That keeps going on into our, we, you know, back to the Old, Old Testament story. We want a king mm-hmm. desperately. And we're geared for that. I don't think that's all bad or mm-hmm. evil, but I think it's propensity right. that, that, you know, God seemed to be putting the brakes on a little bit, saying, mm-hmm. mm, slow it down. Right. And yeah. we want power. We want a leader, a powerful leader mm-hmm. to follow Jesus disappointed people in that regard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. They, he's like, man, this isn't the power I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think one of the things that often comes up in that gut reaction, right, is this person has meant something to me in my own spiritual life. Yes. So it's beyond even familiarity, but it's like this person was really important to me in this yes. time or that time. Yes. Right. And so just yesterday, I think, was when Jean Vanier, it was shown that he had abused yep. multiple women. Yep. Um, and I don't want to like speculate too much, but I know that people with disabilities get abused yep. at a higher rate. Yep. There's, yeah, just a, a lot there. Mm-hmm. What do we do with? Um, in fact, Danielle was just talking earlier today yes. about how a friend brought his book over today, not having heard the news and oh. said, this book so meant so much to right. me. Right, changed my life. Right, yeah. So and you're like, oh my gosh, it's written by a predator. You right, know? yeah. Yes. I mean, for me, John Howard Yoder, speaking of Mennonites, would be another example, right? Like Christian pacifism with, you know, his book, The Politics of Jesus was so significant. Right. And then, yeah, you find out that he was spiritually and sexually abusing women. And then if you look at um, uh, like Stanley Hauervoss, who then sort of defends him. Right. And so now you, you have like, you know, all these men that have made significant theological contributions. Yes. So what do you yes. do with their work? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that's got to be individual. I think... Even though I am a pretty clear, loud voice <laughs> um, for for uh, religious abuse survivors, part of my message is the issue of spectrum, mm. and it is the issue of we black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking in this is not helpful mm-hmm. because it's not real, mm-hmm. it's not right. I mean. Um, None of us are purely evil and none of us are purely good. And mm-hmm. we all carry in this mixture. And so I, I feel like to look at this, I think, is it a lie that Daniel's friend had his life changed by that book? No. Mm-hmm. Do do I actually think God could utilize what was written in that book? I absolutely do. Mm. As as the Old Testament shows us, God can make an ass talk, you know. Uh, so right. it's like, okay, uh-huh. whatever, right. you know. Yeah. Can God can God take that and use it to for good in someone's life? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I I guess I don't. I, it's hard for me to see that that couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think it totally could and probably has. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this. My mom will probably never listen to this podcast, but I'm going to say it even if she does. You know, the the man who first sexually abused me as a teenager, the pastor, Mm -hmm. it was just a few years ago. I was talking about it, and I was kind of, actually, she was kind of a rehearsal for one of my um, online courses and interviews Mm -hmm. I was doing. And she said, you know, she knows... He abused me, other people very close to us. Hmm. And she said, yeah, but he was such an amazing Bible teacher. He could just teach the word. Hmm. And of course, my (laughs) friends were just like, later they're crawling out of their skin. Are you kidding me? I said, yes. No, I'm not. That's exactly. It's hard to reconcile. Mm -hmm. This was a person super important to her spiritual life Mm -hmm. and development. And this guy molested her daughter and Mm -hmm. other people very close to her. Mm -hmm. And it's still, yeah, but he could teach. Mm -hmm. And I thought, boy, there it is in a nutshell. It's what we do. Yeah. And uh, so, so integrating this, 
did my mom actually receive good things from the guy who abused me? Yes. I, I guess I don't have a hard time saying that. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what we want to do is we want to discard one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants very much in some ways to discard what actually happened mm-hmm. with that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause she, he's, he's this good man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this, he's this man who, who benefited her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so what do you do with their work? I think that's individual. I think you got to sort that through. Mm-hmm. What do you want to take? You know, there are some people listening to me who are probably saying, why would I, Connie, I went through that type of abuse. Why would I ever read anything from that author? And I go, I get that. Mm-hmm. I totally, I, I respect it. Mm-hmm. I have other people I, I'm going to respect that are going to say, and it really changed my life. And it was a real deal. For what their words, how they landed. I don't know, Chris, but what do you think? What yeah, do you think on that? right. It is really, I think that, uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with the truth and the story that's being told, I think is really important. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it is sort of up individually, but I think that when you, um, when you have someone like, uh, John Howard Yoder, people have known for decades right that he abused women and then to continue to venerate him right and i don't that's you know like how would you i guess you could say like here's this you know really good book and also we need to like mention that he you know did this this, thing there were some really things that were really off with with who he was yeah which then makes it hard to read yes (laughs) right it comes back to like and i think it should make it hard to read yes it may not mean that there's no truth in it but it should make it difficult Mm -hmm. to read yeah and i think there's a bigger picture here of these people I'm just going to, for lack of a better word, call it the good old boys club mm-hmm. that says we can't, we need to continue to support these pastors. Right. I mean, yeah, it's Mark like... Driscoll is a shining example of the mm-hmm. good old boys club bringing him back in and getting him back on his feet mm-hmm. within a few years of him just, just injuring and controlling and manipulating thousands. Right. And Nope. The good old boys club said, Nope, you're back in. You're charismatic. You're, you're charming. You're uh, a quote, great communicator, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, you're back in. And there's, there's a lot of systemic problem with that, mm-hmm. that where we tend to overlook right, the, yeah. the, the white male club is there going, Nope, we're in control here. And we get to decide mm-hmm. who gets to, and we're going to, cover each other's butts here mm-hmm. and uh, just, i mean that's just explicit right yeah i was thinking of uh you know right after uh bill hybels had those accusations brought against him bob goff gets on stage gives him a big hug and that says like we're we're standing we're with we're you we're standing with you mm-hmm. we don't care about the wreckage of those survivors mm-hmm. we're with you because again, I'm going to come back to the issue of consolidation of power. Right. Yeah. It, it's so it, true. It, it's just right there. It's mm-hmm. we, yeah, we. Right. Yeah. We, we got to keep our power <laughs> right here with us. Uh-huh. So we're going to bring you back in. We're not going to look in the face what what he did to these women. We're not going to mm-hmm. look at them and hear their story and and struggle to reconcile. Right. What does this mean? Uh-huh. I mean, this is not, Bill Hybels did not come forward in repentance and voluntarily put this thing out there. Mm-hmm. He it came forward and there was resistance and resistance mm-hmm. and finally he got busted. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, brother, we know you're repentant, bring you back in. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. he got busted. Mm-hmm. Do, do I know whether he's repentant now? No, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the point is, the facts are he got busted. He mm-hmm. did not come forward. Right. I mean, I can understand a little bit more of that open-armed acceptance. Mm-hmm. Right. Not much, but a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this right. was just explicit down the line. Uh-huh. He didn't want to get, he did not want this public. Right, yeah. He didn't want to own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so crazy to look at, it's not crazy at all, actually, just to see how, uh, and actually this is something that has been, for my own healing, 
from my abuse has been understanding power dynamics and looking at like the political system and being like, yeah, that happens on all these different levels. All these levels. Right. And really like it's we're unwilling to hear the stories that make us uncomfortable. Yes. And that's, I think, kind of the heart of it. And we cling to the structures that exist and uphold them because it's more comfortable than, yes. than hearing. I mean, as a white straight woman, now I can I can go to bat for feminism because <laughs> I <laughs> I get the underside of that. You know, I mm-hmm. get I get what it's like to feel powerless as a woman mm-hmm. and to not be heard and not have a voice. So I that I can relate to, but I'm white and straight. Mm-hmm. And so when you start talking racial power dynamics, the mm-hmm. LGBTQ power dynamics, um yeah, it, those mm-hmm. stories can make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they right. need to. Uh-huh. And I need to learn to tolerate that discomfort mm-hmm. and to to squirm and to struggle and to say, I can't, I am not the one who gets to determine their reality and their narrative. Mm-hmm. And their narrative doesn't sound real good to me. I need to sit with that. So, yeah, I mean, all the power structures politically, Mm -hmm. socially, and then you bring this, and this is what we do not talk about in the church. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, it's almost like money. You know, no, no, don't talk about the money thing in church. Mm -hmm. Because this is just God's work. It's all spiritual. We also (laughs) don't like talking about power. Mm -hmm. But it is everywhere. It is in Mm -hmm. every human interaction. Mm -hmm. If I go to the grocery store, with a checkout lady, there is a power interaction between us. Mm-hmm. It may be extremely subtle and so superficial it's hardly noticeable, but if we boil it down, every human interaction has a power, has a power a dynamic mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to happen in the church. And there again, this present darkness, you know, even leveraging angels and demons is part of a power narrative. Mm-hmm. I mean, Right. Their their power is greater than ours, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you think theologically. Don't don't throw uh-huh. crisp and hate mail about <laughs> whether they exist or whether they have power. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it. It it is still part of that mm-hmm. of how are we going to get our way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are we going to get our story told? How are we going to get the, these people to do what we want them to do? Mm-hmm. And that's in church. Mm-hmm. That we're. We're not exempt. In fact, in some ways, it's a bigger deal. The power mm-hmm. issues are. Right. So, yeah. yes, you're right. On the political end, right. it, socially, it goes, and, and it definitely comes into church. Right. And then yeah. God is leveraged. Mm-hmm. And then you got a whole nother power thing going mm-hmm. on. Because now I'm fighting God. If you tell me God wants me to do this, and I say no, yeah, then. Right. Yeah, it's, it struck me that there's no HR departments in churches. Totally. Right? Like other totally. organizations are like, we're going to acknowledge that there are going to be things there, there's here. There's power differential. Yeah. And we need some systems and, and ways for people to address their concerns and, and people being harmed. And yes. churches don't have those. No, they don't. And the a board or, you know, an elder team, they, you know, how we've structured it business-wise in, this, in American mm-hmm. churches they potentially have the capacity to be a neutralizing protective factor. Mm. I, I really believe they have the potential for it. Mm-hmm. I just rarely see it. Mm-hmm. I rarely see a board who is willing to take on a pastor for the sake of congregants with less power. Right. Because power consolidates. Mm-hmm. And they... The elders know to take on the pastor weakens the structure. Weakens mm-hmm. not in a in a bad sense, but it it w- the parishioner who is low on the totem pole is way more expendable mm-hmm. than the pastor. Mm-hmm. And I say that with quotes all around it. I mean, because mm-hmm. clearly on a spiritual level, they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they're favored according to scripture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but. But the but the elder board has that option to be HR. Uh-huh. They have that opportunity to to call the pastor out and say that was an inappropriate use of power, mm-hmm. and you're hurting our people. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. But how often do you really hear that? Mm-hmm. Now, 
they might take the pastor to force because they don't like his preaching or they don't like the carpet color or they, uh-huh. you know, You're the right. elders might turn on a pastor for that. But I have yet to see elders go toe to toe with the pastor for the protection of the congregants, mm-hmm. of, of the people in that congregation. I, I, maybe it happens more than I know, but I've yeah. been around a while mm-hmm. and I've, I haven't seen it. It's it's more is the is is the pastor getting the money into the church that we need? Is he getting the sermons? Are are people's needs being met? Uh, do we have enough programs going? The elders are looking at that, or the board is looking at that. Mm-hmm. They're not saying are our people being well taken care of and protected from a potentially abusive shepherd. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I kind of went off on that, but yeah, no, it's perfect. But the yeah. HR is that's right. exactly right. I mean, yeah. I've thought about this a lot saying, uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Right. The elder boards have that potential to mm. be that neutralizing, good neutralizing mm-hmm. factor uh, yeah. element. And they due to whatever reasons, I think a lot of times comfort and consolidation right. of power, yeah. they don't want to. Mm-hmm. I also think this is just my personal experience. Um, but having, uh, there are multiple churches in the past where I thought about going to the elder board, not about abuse, but even just, just to discuss some sort of issue or concern. And I was like, that feels way too threatening to sit across the table from like seven men. Exactly. And you're a white male. Mm-hmm. So put that even, you know. <laughs> right. No, it's, exactly. It's, yeah. That's I, what it, I'm it, thinking. It's right. To you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And right. it's like, whoa, especially if there's conflict or if you're actually have concerns about something they're doing, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. It's right. gutsy to do it. Yeah. And there's not a, I know for me and for many, there's not a trust that if I go to the elder board, they're going to listen. So like even whether or not that's whatever is true, that's the perception I think of churches. It is because it's historically accurate. Right. Now, are there exceptions? Somebody write in and tell me about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. <laughs> because right. I think there probably have been. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, oh my gosh, I've been a pastor's wife. I've been mm-hmm. on the mission field. I've been, I've been all over the place. Uh-huh. And attended a lot of churches, served in a lot of capacities, and I've yet right. to hear of that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're 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 a, a, a board or elder team or whatever we want to call them, mm-hmm. deacon board, whatever that that party is, go, went to bat for a mm-hmm. less powerful member mm-hmm. that was that the pastor was taken yeah. advantage of. So right. yeah, yeah. I have one last question. Okay, what that's is been it, nettling away? Um, does you're talking about spectrum? Um, does abuse have to be intentional to be abuse? Oh, that's one of my favorite questions. Um, the answer to that is no, it does not have to be. Hmm. I can use my power. Let's, let's put this in the parents. I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was raising my kids, I could use my power to get my needs met and hurt my kids. Did I ever do that intentionally? No. I can say that full on. Mm -hmm. Did I ever do it? You bet I did. Mm -hmm. I'm a parent. We all do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I guess that's, that's one way. Cause I, I usually trust the hearts of parents, you Uh know, even if they're screwing up, they usually they're, they're often, most of the time, I believe they're doing the best they can with Mm -hmm. what they've got. So, and I did a pretty darn good job. (laughs) And that said, I have some real regrets because Mm. I did misuse my power. There's such a power differential between me and a little four-year-old when I get frustrated with them, Mm -hmm. between me and my 13-year-old when they're driving me insane, you Mm -hmm. know, even between me and my grown children (laughs) who I have to be careful. I have Mm -hmm. to be careful to remember in their neurology we're not mm-hmm. peers, uh-huh. even though I feel like it now. I'm like, oh, I love having them as friends. Right. Their brain still says, <gasps> mom said. Uh-huh. And I think, okay, I have to go, go lightly. Okay, so use that analogy to go toward pastors. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I believe, well, first of all, pastors know sexual assault is wrong. Mm-hmm. They know when they're being inappropriate. Uh-huh. Um, so I have no... No, um, what's the word? Um, I'm not going to let them off the hook on that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know. Right, yeah, yeah. But 
the bigger issue here is abuse of power. That can mm-hmm. show itself sexually, but it can also be psychological, financial, all those things. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of well-intentioned pastors mm-hmm. who I genuinely believe have good intentions that get screwed up in their thinking about, I need to make my congregation do this because it's what God wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, in essence, is an abuse of power mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to force and coerce and mm-hmm. push and, you know, <laughs> do whatever to get my congregation to do what I what I believe God wants them to do. This uh-huh. is where it gets so sticky, right? why yeah. it's so messy. Uh-huh. And so I think there, there are some, they're well-intentioned, but I, when I was able to teach uh, at a local seminary uh, in, in pastors coming up, I would push this all the time and say, do not ever forget. You're going to feel like you're going to feel intimidated by church members. You're going to feel overwhelmed by church members. You're going mm-hmm. to feel uh, bullied by church members. Well, think about even with parenting. You've got your right, yeah, children. Exactly, right, oh, yeah. And wait till they're teens. You're uh-huh. going to feel bullied. You're <laughs> right. going to be, oh, you know, it's just, right. it happens. If, uh-huh. they're, if they're growing up right, they're going to push back and push right. hard. But the issue is the pastor still has the power in that community. Mm-hmm. And if you forget that, and if you do not handle that with utter gentleness, mm-hmm. they're going, I'm going to refer back to Jesus. <laughs> the only people he kick their butts was the people with power Mm. those were the only ones he had harsh words to say Mm -hmm. and the ones who were abusing that power Mm -hmm. and so the rest of it's like people were making mistakes and being silly and he's like okay yeah you know oh you Uh little faith you know come on and but it was not you brood of vipers (laughs) you know (laughs) okay you know that's a whole different thing so and i think that's really it shows us the the I believe how desperately we need to be aware of our own power, mm-hmm. and most of us aren't mm-hmm. with our children, with our peers, with socially whatever. Right, so yeah. right. so back to well intentioned. Yeah. Can it be done? On a, yes, and I also believe there are pastors who know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. there's both and. Uh-huh. But I'm going to give honestly. I'll give most of them benefit of the doubt. They're mm-hmm. trying to just find their way through in their own brokenness like we mm-hmm. all have, you know. Mm-hmm. And some pastors think they don't need to deal with their brokenness. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, you do. Right, <laughs> we yeah. all do. So, mm-hmm. you know, and because you're going to pass it along to the next person uh-huh. if you don't. So, so yeah. does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's just, great. I mean, that's me, fantastic. Yeah, right? to yeah. me it's like, it, you bet it could be unintentional. Mm-hmm. You bet. Yeah. That said, it still does horrific damage. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not not taking them off the hook in that mm-hmm. regard. Even tensions may be good. Learn, grow, change, because mm-hmm. you are hurting people. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking about these wonderful topics. Yes. Oh, we kind of went all over the place, right. didn't we? Yeah. I love that we talked about you. You know, when you see those power, power dynamics, you just start to see it everywhere. You do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of have to Mm -hmm. if you keep your eyes open. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I love what you guys are doing on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Prophetic Imagine. You can follow me at K underscore underscore Mayfield and Danielle at D underscore L underscore Mayfield. And you can email us at Prophetic Imagination Station at gmail.com. You can support this podcast and get access to our Patreon only podcast at patreon.com slash DL Mayfield.